You're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And I am Rob. So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials? Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. Sex. We all think about it a lot, but very rarely do we talk about it. And don't sit there thinking to yourself, not me, bullshit. According to experience sampling, which is what psychologists refer to as the scientific attempt to measure thoughts, the average male has at least 19 thoughts about sex during the day, and the average woman has about 10. Now, that may not be the every seven seconds myth that so many of us have heard before, but it's still quite a lot. And it begs the question, If so many of us are thinking about sex so much, why aren't we talking about it as much? Jen, on this podcast, we discuss what it takes to find the perfect partner and how hard, pun intended, it is to find someone who fits, also pun intended, into our lives. With sex being the number one item being sold on social media and the dating apps right now, where do you think it falls as far as importance in finding the perfect mate? Well... I think it's very important because it's something you do with only that person and not the rest of the world, unless you're like into polyamory and all those other things. But it's supposed to be that sacred thing between you and that person. So if it's not good, then are you two friends that just coexist or like what's what's the deal there if you don't have that chemistry? So I would say very, very, very important. And I know that we can talk to our our guests today about how to change things if it's not great. But in my experience, I've dated people who weren't great kissers and it just like completely disconnected us because there wasn't that passion there and those butterflies and I didn't really want to do it again. And I was kind of like repulsed by the person because why are they such a bad kisser and how do they get through life for so long being a bad kisser? No one stopped to tell them that they weren't good or this guy I dated that was really bad at sex. Like, How did he go 45 years without knowing he was bad at sex? It's just very concerning to me and alarming. And I don't know. So when somebody is like, oh, I don't want to be with somebody who's dated a ton because I don't like thinking about them with someone else. I'm like, please have a history. Please have learned all the things and come to me ready to go and very experienced so that I am happy, they're happy, and we can, you know, do all the things together. And But I think it's like it... It's such a weird, it's subjective. Like it really is. So like the way you kiss might not be good for the way somebody else likes to be kissed. You know, like I think you're probably right in the sense that like there's a good kisser, but that involves, you know, chemistry. I think it involves um, how well you get along with the person. I think Uh, alcohol, maybe somebody doesn't like a lot of tongue. Maybe somebody likes tongue. Maybe tongue's not cool on the first date. Maybe it is. As an actor, when you have like sex scenes and kissing scenes and stuff, you're able to ask the person what's okay and what they want to do. Like you literally get to say like, 
tongue, no tongue. We doing just the lips. Like, do you, what, how do you want to play this? You want like hand oh, on hand? I love it. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like, we're you. You assume the other person's versed in what they like and don't like. So, like, you assume that I think in life too. And uh, what I do is it's kind of funny because it's like kind of what Connell was saying, Connell Barrett, about like the frequencies is like I let the other person take the lead and then I follow with what they're doing. So like if it's mouth closed, I say mouth closed. If it's a lot, you know, French all over the place, then that's that's the route we're going down. Then let's let's do it. Wait, you know, I mean, it's so funny because I went into this episode feeling like, am I going to be able to get through talking about all this? Like how you were just saying at the beginning of the show, you know, we don't all talk about it. So it's kind of an uncomfy thing if you're not used to talking about it because you're like, well, it's the thing I do behind closed doors. And like, I don't know, those are those private moments. But ultimately, yeah, we watch people make out on screen all the time and you're going to make out with people when you date them. How important do you think all that is to dating? Well, see, I'm, like I said, I'm a one person dude. So like, uh, I think we were talking about it with uh, Rob Mack, or maybe it was Connell, but like it, it might have been Connell. But um, like I, the one time I tried dating two girls at once, I had anxiety and I freaked out. And the second I kissed somebody, like um, I, I don't want to kiss another person. I can't do that. I'm not the fucking bachelor. I can't but do it. But what if they're not a good kisser? So you're saying you adapt to them, you follow their lead, you match their energy or whatever their kissing style is. But what if you don't actually like their kissing style or do you just follow them and then it somehow works? Yeah. You know what? I did have somebody who like was weird when it, she was, she was great all the time but if she was weird when it came to like sexual stuff she started getting very like um i don't know if she got nervous but she would get like shaky and like she would like kind of like i don't, I don't know she she did like nervous things during making out that like made it seem like it was more than it was does that make sense oh and then it was like during the sexual experience you're like whoa, whoa, whoa what's what what's what's happening here like what's what, what are we where do, what, what where are we going what is happening with all this Full disclosure, which is what I've done on this podcast a lot. I really don't have sober sex with somebody unless I'm dating them. So most of the time that I would have intercourse with somebody that, you know, I had maybe known once or twice, I was drunk. So I'm probably not the best at it and or I don't remember it or they don't remember it. (laughs) Okay, so you could be not good. If I'm having sober sex with you and I'm trying and I'm actually making an effort on like what we're doing, then I already like you. So it would have to be really bad or really just really kinky that I'm not into, which is hard to find or like really just boring. And like you, the, the kind of bad that makes you like stand outside of yourself when it's happening. If you had that, you know what I'm talking about? 100%. I think just everybody's probably had that where you're like, Oh, is this over yet? How do I get this human away? fast enough. But again, I I feel like if I'm having sex with somebody, usually we've been dating, but that will, if it's bad and we've been dating and we're finally having sex for the first time and I want to like crawl out of my skin, then we're not dating anymore. Right. Like how would you feel if somebody you liked and you finally have sex with and maybe you do drink, but it's not good. And then you try it again sober and it's not good. And would you, would you feel offended if that person was like, Hey, I really like it when you do this, or I don't like it when you do that thing. Or like, this wasn't great for me. Was it good for you? Cause it didn't seem it. 
I, I don't think anybody would say that. I don't think they're they're as blunt as you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's I actually okay. am terrible. I run the other way and hide. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't do that either. But I have had girlfriends be like, you know, take my head and move it the way they wanted to, or like, you know, position me where they wanted, or tell me where to go. And I fucking like that. I'm like, I'm a Gemini. Like I said, I, I like when people take charge and like, you're like, hey, we're going here, we're doing this, you're eating that, and I'm like, cool. Sounds good. I don't have to make decisions. Oh, so, now you like that? Just when I have all these thoughts and structure, you're like, meh, structured people. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I need somebody to like plan out my every single day. And you, you're you're on the other end of the spectrum. I'm saying like, that's like, for you, Jen, it would be like, if you're like, it's seven o'clock, let's have the sex now. And now <laughs> it's 730. You're finished. Why aren't you finished? I have stuff to do. And it's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like... <laughs> You know, in the moment, in the flow, they let me know what they like. And I, I appreciate that. I don't I don't take offense to that. You know, I, I don't need to be I like to learn. So I don't need to be somebody who pretends to be a know-it-all, especially when it comes to this. But like your masculine identity wouldn't be totally broken because somebody hurts your little ego and they're like, no, you're doing it wrong. No, but see, I don't think they would say it like that. That's what you would say. No, that's the context. No, but that's what you would think in your head. Don't don't say that's not what you would think in your head. Of course I would think it, but I wouldn't say it like that. That's terrible. Right. And I don't think anybody else would approach it like that. But if they, instead of saying like, you're doing it wrong, if they were like, what if we tried this? Or what if we did it this way? Or what do you think about that? Then I'd be like, yeah, well, fucking sounds good to me. Like, let's, let's do that. Like, I'm, I want... Just like I want to be in the best shape possible or put my best foot forward as far as even getting back into the dating scene, I want to do what's like, if I want to feel good, I'm going to tell you what makes me feel good. And I hope the person that I'm with does the same so that we can be on the same page. So then it's not three years down the road and I'm doing something they hate. And then they think like, and then they just haven't fucking had the balls or vagina to tell me. Not (laughs) balls. Just nothing, nothing against it. I just, I swing one way. That's it. Yes. Want to make that clear. <laughs> well, most people think being good at sex comes naturally, but as you just heard, that's not the case because a lot of revisions can be made and requests. And it's not either you have it or you don't, because our guest, Kenneth Play, is proof that great lovers are made, not born. Kenneth is an international sex expert and sex educator. <laughs> this will be interesting. Named the world's greatest sex hacker by GQ. He has been featured by more than 100 media outlets, including the New York Times, Men's Health, of course, Cosmopolitan, Huffington Post, and Nightline. Kenneth has been a guest lecturer on female sexual pleasure at NYU and San Jose State University. His work has helped millions of men gain lasting confidence and competence. Asman described Kenneth's most recent course as having at least one nugget of sexual learning you've almost certainly never encountered before, if not several. His new book, Beyond Satisfied, is said to be a cross between Bruce Lee's mixed martial arts approach and Tim Ferriss's 80-20 rule, but for sex. Far from just another find her clitoris guide, Beyond Satisfied distills hard science and hands-on experience into techniques that any man can successfully put into practice. In his book, you'll learn scientific secrets that unlock her hidden orgasmic potential and gain a huge array of skills that will get you results right now. Warning to the kids, he's going to guide us in being beyond satisfied with endless orgasms, mind-blowing connection, and lasting confidence. Welcome to the show, Kenneth. I am so excited to be here today. 
Where are you joining us from? We are excited to have you. I'm joining from Hacienda Villa. It's one of our sex positive intentional community. I live with 14 people and we do crazy sex party up to like 200 plus people to sex education events, to socials, to um, some activist event about like sex worker rights to all kinds of different things. So you live in this house with this, with these people. Yeah. I'm one of the co-founder of Hacienda. So, uh, we are a sex positive community. We've been kind of curating from different social events to education events. So really big on, um, creating a sex positive culture where people kind of get to explore their sexuality to socialize with each other yeah so i've been doing that for almost a decade now is it like an eyes wide shut type situation i know you probably hear that a lot but like you said they get experience with like is or is it like a monthly membership like a yoga studio yeah there's no murder or billionaire and no mass but (laughs) it's kind of like it (laughs) yeah okay yeah (laughs) well how was that with covid uh, we were completely shut down. We just did like virtual events and now we open back up. Um, so it, it's been complicated. It's always complicated. <laughs> you, you lead us right. You're, you're already leading us perfectly into the next question. You're a great guest already because that me that begs the question, how the fuck do you do this virtually? It was challenging and it's like awkward at first because it's like doing comedy show over Zoom. Like you just don't have any energy, but we still have performers zooming in. We keep people engaged. They still get to flirt because when you're in lockdown, I mean, it's hardcore lockdown in the beginning. People were just so thirsty for some connection or meet, like hang out, have some type of normalcy. Especially you want to kind of continue to develop those relationships. That like, you know, those are like your group of friends that you see often enough that you don't want to lose touch. So we always want to provide a space for community and connection. But it was awkward in the beginning and then we learned and then we had some fun activity for people to do. And then you realize who's a voyeur and who like who's an exhibitionist in the game on mm-hmm. over camera. So it, it was been interesting. So are you dating all of those people? Are you in a relationship? How does it work within the dynamic of this group? So I am non-monogamous. I am I am married, but as my wife has two husbands, so as me and Geronimo, we co-proposed to her together. And we supposed to have a wedding doing COVID years, but that never happened. So they're legally married. I'm not legally married to her right now, but uh, we, I'm, I'm his brother husband. We're in a poly V relationship, meaning that me and him are not sexually or romantic involved, but she has two husbands and it's been great. Ooh, poly V. Yeah, That's yeah. what that is. Yeah. It's a V. Yeah. So can you have two wives? I could have two wives, but right now I only have her. I have other serious relationship, but not in the same, I guess, in the same category. But uh, so our- that just means that just means that like. What's you said? What was your what's your actual wife's name? If, are you allowed to say? Yeah, 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 Karen. Yeah, we're very popular. So if Karen, if Karen had something for you to do, and then one of your other re- serious relationships was like, "Hey, Kenneth, come over here," you'd be like, mm, "Karen is my actual wife, so I have to go do go with her wherever she wants us to go or do." the sexual stuff that she wants to do instead of hanging out with your relationship. Well, right? uh, yes and no. I mean, obviously she could pull like I'm the wife card, but that doesn't make a good relationship. If I tell her this is really important to my other partner, she might be very supportive and and not pull the wife card. So I think that's ultimately what makes a relationship. But if you go like, the, yes, and she has to default 
sort of like overriding power and I do prioritize that relationship. However, we use that very sparingly. It's not, I don't think it makes a healthy relationship. So she is as invested to my happiness as our happiness. So that's been sort of a model that we run. Well, this is all very interesting. And obviously, you know, if you were single taken, it sounds more just it's very complicated, but it seems you guys have all figured it out. And there are the rules that you all abide within. Are these like recognized outside of your group of people? And can you say to people, I'm married legally to this one and this one? Uh, there's different states that have like domestic partnership relationship that is more than one person, but I just don't like marital law altogether. Personally, it's like, you know, it's hard enough to cre- create a welfare state between two people. If you have a welfare state between three people, it's even more complicated and unnecessary. What, what I mean by welfare state is that the current marital law is that if you fucked up, your partner fucked up, like you own the same amount of debt and you own the same amount of asset. Right. So on that front, I just don't when you have three people mixed together, it's even more complicated. So I don't have diagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. I, I personally don't think that's a that is a smart way to set up agreements. Uh, so we actually have our family lawyer. Her name is Diana Adams. She does a lot of poly family law. So we actually get to talk it out. Like, what do we want to do in each scenario and how do we want to share assets or partnership or or different things. But what I found out, there's a secret hack is that if they ever had a baby, they, they're, they're working on it, if they have a baby, and they get divorced, and I marry Geronimo instead of her, then we get the best legal protection for all the things that we want. <laughs> but 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 not but, but not going to do that. But, but it is a way to do it. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, so you you have this new course, the Sex Hacker Pro. Yeah. You've been named the world's greatest sex hacker by GQ. Mm-hmm. You've been lecturing all over the place and at universities, NYU, everything. How did you get started in this? Like, I, I, we got your background and everything, your bio, but like, when was the time where you like your mind switched and then you went into this type of world? Give us like, give us the, the, the quick rundown of the background up until the point where you became Named the world's greatest sex hacker. Oh, yeah, that's a fucking that's a dynamic <laughs> title. Thank you. Well, I'm probably the world's most unlikely sex educator or doing anything adult. I was an Asian immigrant, dyslexic, and socially awkward as fuck, and crippling insecurity at the same time. And I was also a very horny sexual kid. And till my late twenties, I was like, I don't want it. I don't want to have a shitty sex life for the rest of my life. So in a moment, I just sum up enough courage. And in the beginning, I thought I could change my sex life by being really fit. So I became a personal trainer. I managed a bunch of personal training stuff. But I realized that no matter how fit I get, it does not change the internal insecurity that most people deal with their sexuality. And until I choose mm. to confront that. And when I choose to confront that, because I'm a super nerd, I immerse myself with all the sex research, tantra practices, BDSM, and and, and the sex party uh, community that I'm involved with right now. And that totally transformed my life more ways than I could possibly think of. And do my do my own adventure and my studying, I, w- I didn't realize that I could help so many people. Because one time a sex party organizer asked me to teach a squirting class. And because I taught fitness before, I taught everyone 
in the room, there was like 16, 15 couples, how to do it instantly at that night. And I was like, holy shit, like teaching fitness is really hard. Like you teach someone how to lose weight and get stronger or lose fat. It takes forever. Like sex stuff is that once you learn how to do it, you could teach someone how to have a multiple orgasm. If you do it. Wait, so you, you taught somebody, you were taught, you showed like, but you taught them how to get somebody to squirt. You didn't teach somebody to squirt. I did it like a surgeon or a tech, like sort of a surgeon model or a TED talk model. So I do a TED talk like lecture for first and then Uh I demo it. Right. And I have them try it and then ask them to teach it. So they, they, I make sure they hone that skill, but because I taught fitness for a really long time, it's not very different. You just have to dial in their mindset, their the technique, and how to develop the senses to like your kinesthetic awareness. Like all those fitness principles apply in sex. And the more interesting thing is the psychological part. I mean, the 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 biggest sex organ is between our years. So how do you get people into the right state of mind? So if you could combine mm-hmm. the state of mind with the right technique. I mean, that's why, why vibrator works, you know, <laughs> you're not stressed, you're in the mood, you're thinking about something sexy, the sensation is consistent, voila, female orgasm is not difficult, but we make, <laughs> but we just never dial all those things in. So I figure out how to kind of hack that. And then it became something that I'm extremely passionate about. So you mentioned you studied it and you really dove into all of the research and became very well aware of what was out there in all the different areas. But then how did you know that, you know, when you were putting it into action, that it was actually working? You because said I areas. will say, <laughs> I'm a female and I've done sex and I may pretend that I'm enjoying something just so that it ends. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, luckily, because I'm part of the whole sort of sex positive community from swingers to parties to BDSM. I have thousands plus sample size, like in my own experience from parties to just seeing other people do it. So I have real life, not like this is not like me studying by a computer and go like, I have hacked this. It's more like I could come up with a concept and theory and I could do trial and error over and over again and then teach like thousands or have a million people watch video and study the data to know which method is the most consistent, you know, and how to make something work and what. You know, one of the things that I did in the fitness industry is that you have all this research about like how much carbohydrate you should eat, when should you time your protein, how many reps and set you should do and how long you should rest. And then what trainer does is to take those information and set up protocols to see which training method is more effective than the other. But we just don't do that with sex research. They like they tell you like, you know, they tell you some information like squirting, but they don't put it into practical use. So what I do is I translate all the sex research with practical experience into protocol and into a ways that people could use it and get results. So I just, yeah. Just like, so when you go, because you you keep using the the trainer thing and we were talking about this before and um, uh, sex is very important to our relationships. I'm not in a relationship and neither is Jen. We're Mm -hmm. we're both very single, Mm -hmm. but Jen, you know, was talking about how she's not very comfortable talking about sex. Like, I mean, if you want to ask her if she's a squirter, go ahead. She'll probably get mad at me. But like, I think we should I think we should push the boundaries as much as we can with Jen while we have you here today. <laughs> but with a personal trainer, you like if I, I have a trainer now, but I had to reach out and say, I want a trainer. Right. So like you have to be like willing to go down that path. Do you get people that come into you or your Hacienda house mm-hmm. that 
um, you are like, I'm going to help break these walls down and help you learn and like have to kind of like hold their hand through the process and force them like you would have to with Jen probably and her husband, boyfriend, if they had one. <laughs> or is it like they need to be ready to fucking be jumping off the cliff with you no matter what's going on? I think they have to have the desire internally first. You know, my job is to not tell you what you should want, right? Like that 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 innate desire. But most people want delicious food and most people want great pleasurable sex. It's not like I have to sell that to them. The difference is that how do I create an environment when they feel is safe enough to share something so vulnerable? So when I was a personal trainer for a really long time, not every person who come to hire a trainer feel good about their body. So I'm very familiar to empower someone to to do something that they don't feel like proud of right now, or they feel some shame around, or they, oh, you know, I haven't worked out for three years. I feel like shit right now. I don't know how to get started again. So I have their experience and the training how to guide someone out of that shell and the other thing about sexuality that is like once you are out of that it's it's, it's more of a state right it's like um state change so when you experience joy or sadness or when you've aroused it's a certain state so it's more like soon as they feel comfortable enough if they could get into the arousal state then the game changes so then if they're in like this flight or flight mode, right? They're not comfortable. They don't want to share. My job is not to get them to do it at that moment. My job is to get them relaxed and safe enough to transition, right? So that's why most, you know, that's why most people have a hard time like hooking up for the first time and have like have consistent, reliable orgasm because they're not in the right state. It's not always technique. Yeah. And Jen, maybe you could also vouch for this. Like, I don't, and Rob, you could vouch for this. I don't know how many times in your life when you have a hookup and you're expected to have an orgasm if they never touch the head of your penis. So, right? Like, it's kind of insane if that's the expectation. But how many guys are totally not touching the clit when they're having a hookup? They might touch it a time or two. So if you just touch the clit consistent enough, most likely I think that person would orgasm, Right. But we just don't I treat mean, male and female part differently. That's the problem. It's it's Jen and I were talking about this before too. Like it's not 1932. Like it's not like the information hasn't spread to you by now. Like you haven't seen it on in porn or you haven't seen it, you know, uh, in movies or you haven't heard that fucking hit the clitoris or like at least try and like get to it and find it. And here's where it is. It's not that hard anymore, guys. Like, why, why do you think that's still a fucking problem in 2022 when the information so obviously available? I don't think it's actually that available. If you look at mainstream porn or mainstream movie, all you see is like, they might make out a little, right? The guy gets a blowjob. Maybe there's a tiny bit of oral sex and it's basically jackhammer city, right? And even in movies, like so passionately kissing and they rip off their clothes and then a couple of pump and it's supposed to be amazing. And unfortunately, that's not how female pleasure is set up to go. But most guys would go like, you know, I should do those moves because I've seen it in movies or mainstream or porn. So we expect people to learn how to drive by watching The Fast and the Furious. Like the physics don't make any sense. But all they see is that. So they try to mimic that. And I think there's a huge education gap and a knowledge gap and a skill gap when it comes to sex. But once they overcome those things... It's just like fitness. If you know what you're doing and you do it consistently, it works. It's just that most people do like you. It's like trying to run to, you know, run to the north, but you run the wrong direction. It just doesn't work. So I love teaching people how to, you know, get there. 
So then what if you're in a situation, let's say a female, and you're like, well, this person has obviously watched one too many porns and they've been misled. This act does not take five minutes. It takes 30 minutes because you actually have to put in the effort. And I don't then- know what porns you're watching, but the ones I watch are like an hour long. Okay, well, I'm not, but I'm just saying, I feel like men don't know that it doesn't happen like instantly for a woman. You actually have to like, First, you have to get down there. Then you have to be doing it right. Then she's got to get out of her head. And then she's got to be comfortable enough to have an orgasm. But like, I feel I've seen guys just like kind of rush through the whole process. They're like, let me do it a little bit. I'm like, but then you're going to do sex with me. And I'm like, well, I didn't have an orgasm. So they're asking me like, did you have an orgasm? I'm like, no, I didn't. How do you tell somebody like, can you spend more time down there? Or, hey, I am not satisfied yet. Let's let's circle back (laughs) no pun intended i mean it is a very interesting problem because like this is a maybe a growth generalization most straight women don't like to teach their men how to fuck them and that's why that's why i created a course and a book on exactly how to do it in a very method like there there's a sex hacking method i i go to all the steps on literally how to break it down to step by step and it's not what men usually think is this long foreplay rose petal situation it's just that if she feels and also like basic things why women are not aroused when you send them a dick pic because their arousal has nothing to do with you they want to feel hot as fuck they want to feel sexy and desirable so if you can make her feel super hot super turn on you don't really even need to touch right like the 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 biggest arousal actually happened between the brain so if you could arouse her she's halfway there on the on the foreplay part and then if you just touch from a calibration standpoint so you start off with lighter touch and then you build up until you get a respond and then go a little bit more you get out and then go back down a little bit and just stay there and don't do more or less i mean i don't, I don't know how many women, uh, straight women have complained to me with straight dudes that they're doing good everything is on track and that's the moment they decide to do something different if they just learn to calibrate do exactly the same thing that works and, and, and female orgasm don't take that long. I mean, like when women masturbate, it's like three or four minutes, I would say, in the average, if they just do it consistently. So it's not that much longer than male orgasm. But it's all the interruption, all the ADHD, all the inconsistency. So once they learn that skill, it's just like you could cook an egg and you could fuck up cooking an egg in a 10,000 way. But there's a couple of good ways to do it, right? You could do a sunny side up. You could do a hard boil. But once you learn the technique, you could do it right each time. But everybody liked the know. eggs. Everyone liked the eggs different, though, you know? <laughs> True. Everyone yeah. does like their eggs different. Before we continue with the show, we wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. 
Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program, and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. What if you're like, you're into somebody and they're not a good kisser? Like, how do you <laughs> express to them like, hey, you kiss like a bird that is stiff and needs a little bit of like grease in his jaw? Or how do you express that in a way that's not insulting and hurtful? I mean, they're- get, it, get his book. You get his book and you hand it to them. And you say, read this and then get back to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, a lot of a lot of women buy my book and my course for their partner. But one of the ways to introduce that, that because, you know, in some way, we, we are still trying to protect the male ego. And it is difficult. Even science say when they're like, if they feel insecure, then they can't get a boner. So like, how do you manage all this shit, right? And I think one of the easier hacks that I have found is that you just lie. And what I mean by lie <laughs> is that you tell them, like, when you kiss me softly with your lips, it feels so good, even if they have never done it before. So you make them do the thing you like and then reinforce by positive reinforcement. So I love it when you go down on me. I love it when you lick it with the tip of your tongue. And then that would get positive reinforcement and also let them know what you like. But unfortunately, a lot of women don't really know how they like things. So that's why I, I created all the different type of techniques in gifts. Like li- it's very literal. You could suck on it. You could lick it like this. You could do this. So you could go like, oh, I like it like that. Because like not every like everybody are born hungry, but not everyone knows how to cook. So having a menu kind of help, you know, like what can I pick? Yeah, that's so true because we always get blamed for like not being good or not getting the orgasm or blah, blah, blah. But a lot of the time they don't know what they want or they don't know how they want it. Or maybe they've, so many women have been like, I've never had an orgasm. Well, then how the fuck do you know how you get to an orgasm? And how are you supposed to teach me the path to get there if you don't know how to fucking get there? So it's like. But there, there's, I, there's, I, there's I, the answer. And I've been trying really hard to solve that problem. Like how do people, if they don't know their own body, so thank God for science, there's actually good statistic to like what works for most people. So if you don't know what you like and you don't know what pe- like what you like or your partner like or your partner don't know, you start with the lowest hanging fruit. Here's the thing that mo- work for the most amount of people on the planet. And then so very few women have nipple orgasm. You're not going to start from there, right? But we know majority of women have orgasm having their clitoris touch in a consistent, rhythmic, rhythmic way. So start with that one, right? So it doesn't matter are you using your tongue, using a toy, or using your finger, or using your cock. It doesn't matter what's touching it. So if I'm going to pick something to start, just like card counting, you know how card counting work in Vegas? You want to bet on the most likely highest uh, percentage of, you know, uh, of a winning bet. So you bet with their most obvious one and you work your way down. You don't go straight to that though, right? You don't go straight. You're not like make out, make out, make out, dive. Nope. Like you, you just, you, 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 what are the other, like how, what's the, what's the roadmap to making it down to the, to odds? 
It's actually there's a sequencing uh, there's a sequencing hack that I go through. So first is arousal. So you so the first the one thing that majority of people get aroused is that they you know if it's a, a straight sex for the female partner, they want to feel sexy. That's pretty mm-hmm. universal. I don't think you could go wrong with that one. Like like just like most women don't care about how much we could bench press and deadlift. Honestly, most dude doesn't care about your lingerie, but you want to buy her lingerie. So she feels hot. It doesn't matter if you care or not. It's about her feeling sexy. So that's the first thing in the full play section. Then you want to start with um, some light touching teasing, like kissing is any type of um, caressing, touching, holding that you feel like they, they desire you, but they pacing with you. So with an animal, like, you know, whenever you see dogs play, there's a pacing timing. So you want to show desire, but you pace. That's usually a really good bet. And then you tease a little bit and you're getting a response. So there's, there's, there's a section in the book of how to read erotic cue. Is her breath, sound, movement are different, right? So there's a sequencing of it. Then you start, maybe it's undressing and caressing. Right then, you you don't go directly to rub her clit. You could tease around the clothing. Then you remove her underwear. Maybe you make out more. Maybe you go to oral sex. Maybe you go to hand sex. And then when you, I think I, I think for for most female or most women, having a couple warm up orgasm without penetration is great to set up for for penetrative sex. So if she have an orgasm from oral fingering. Um, or, or any type of grinding or from a vibrator, she's more likely to enjoy penetration. So I would start off with a warm-up orgasm into penetration. Then penetration with catarrhal stimulation is also a really good bet to add their second orgasm. And with some cuddle and don't be a dick after sex is also a really good idea. <laughs> Even in the most... Wait, after time. sex? Yeah. I stopped listening. I stopped listening to after sex. Yeah. Just push them away. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's on... You mean, uh-huh. you mean Uber time? You mean Uber yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. So don't be a dick at those moments is usually a good idea. So I think there is a method to the madness. I really don't think it's that complicated, but we just were never taught. And I remember being a virgin thinking my cock is never going to be big enough, thinking that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and, and all those feelings that, that, that that's why I'm so passionate teaching it. I know what it's like to not like be clueless around it and so nervous. Right. And feel like, Oh, if I fuck this up, I'm going to be so rejected. I'm not like, I'm not man enough on the other side. And then I realized that, Oh my God, it's like, we just don't teach this shit. We think it's instinctual. We think that if you don't have a porn star cock, you're worthless as a guy. And women have their side of the struggle. So I'm just passionate about solving that problem because most of us could have pretty good sex or pretty amazing sex. We were just never been educated because it's always taught as an instinctual thing, not something that you could learn and master. So it sounds like you're saying size does not matter. It's everything else that does. No size matter. Absolutely. But it's about a pleasure fit, just like your shoe to your foot. So, you know, I, I mean, Kali B is fucking it up. There, there's no parking a Big Mac truck in a tiny garage. <laughs> that doesn't work <laughs> like that, okay? <laughs> so, so, although the garage is quite stretchy, but there is a compatibility issue. But most human, most human fits quite well. There's an extreme yeah. outlier on either side, right? So if you have a one-inch cock is a problem, if a 12-inch cock is a problem, but most people is in that, four and a half to six and a half range. And most vagina is around that same middle bell curve. 
So it's really not a big size difference. We're not always looking at for Big Mac truck and tiny garage. That's a lie in porn. <laughs> That's funny. But like, but, so I guess I most guess of it's us are like sitting there is the Honda Civic, you know, in a normal garage. <laughs> Mid-sized SUV. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that's the good one. Yeah. That's what I drive. Just saying. Just saying. Um, but, but so basically what you're saying is because I've had conversations with friends that are like, nope, it's, it's the fuck the penetration, no pun intended, but fuck the penetration. It's all about the outside. And then I had friends that are like, no, it's about the penetration and finding the G spot right in there. And then some are like, do both. That's the, where it's really at. But it's like anything else in life. It's like you you figure out where it, it goes and where it fits. And then like you adjust accordingly. So if you're too big for the person, then you work you concentrate more on the outside stuff right if you're well there there there's some math to this right so there again the bell curve right so there so there's a majority of like external stimulation is probably the most reliable version so just like most men never learn to have an internal orgasm like having a prostate orgasm is a learned skill and you could have some people are more prone to have internal orgasm. So but that's a smaller percentage. We're talking about 15 to 20 percent. That is the easiest path to have an orgasm that way. They usually and they they like having their cervix pounded and it works for them, but not majority of women. Right. But you could also mm-hmm. learn to enjoy that after you have a couple of orgasm and then you how you train your body. So there is there's also this like growth mindset when it comes to sexual pleasures. So you could learn to have different orgasm. And that's why older people have better sex because they have more time to learn about what they like in their body and they give less fuck as they get older, right? <laughs> Especially in the 60 to 80 group, they just don't give a fuck and they learn all kinds of way to to have like newer orgasm. And it's usually the, the women who just like love penetration is reliable for them. They're the easy one, right? They don't need much. I mean, it just works. When I mean easy is they fit their social script. Like that is a sex script that is on, you know, that they seen. So they find the guy with a big enough cock and that's work for them. Everybody is happy if the guy lasts long enough. But for majority of women, external stimulation and penetration are usually a good one. And then I just like most men, they need to learn like what their body is capable of. So I know most straight dude like so uh, so like they, they're so scared of their own prostate. But until they know what it's like to be penetrated, and to have an orgasm that way, they can relate to that partner. And the nerve ending is the same, similar, not exactly the same, but they're very similar on both sides. So, so a guy could learn to have a prostate orgasm into a penile orgasm, meaning prostate into cock. And they know, oh, having a multiple orgasm actually feels like this. So they could start relate to their partner. But, you know, it, it's just that your willingness to explore and learn. But I think go to the go-to first and then... And then discover new ways if you desire. That's like level 17, it sounds like. But so do you also coach women or is this really just geared toward men? Because it sounds like women also have to learn a lot too. I don't teach women yet to pleasure men directly. I focus on teaching more more female pleasure focus. It doesn't matter what gender or what you're into. It just I, I, I deal with that female biology better, right? Because I learn more on that, you know, and the neuroscience behind it. However, a lot of women come to me because they don't know how to ask their partner for something. They've been faking orgasm for 10 years. They don't know how to tell their husband, right? They're not turned on by sweet. They want to feel like a slut and a whore in their bedroom, and they don't know how to tell their Christian husband. 
I love solving those problems, <laughs> right? Because it's <laughs> eroticism is eroticism. Like there's no PC police in your head. What does it for you is what does it for you. So to make people feel safe and okay, what arouses them, right? But do it in a responsible, hedonistic way. So, so it's all of those things. And besides the technical part, I teach a lot about erotic context. I mean, there's a reason why Fifty Shades of Grey sold a million copy, a uh, hundred million copy, right? Because there is you know, that, that fucking Jacob and Edwin kind of energy works for a lot of people, and but people don't understand the erotic context, right? So if you could combine the right erotic context with the right technique, that is when it's magical. Okay, well, I mean, it sounds magical, but you know what? I would like to bring back squirting for a second. Okay. Because Rob wanted to talk about it, and you know what? I think we should. Because oh, you, oh. you teach you know, a whole thing about it. Where did it come from? Why is it more for the man or for the woman? Well, I have a slightly longer, more complicated answer. I also uh, currently running the world largest survey, scientific survey on squirting, squirtingsurvey.com. So I think the message is on one hand, we over glorifying it as an act, right? And I think people associate ejaculation as liquid coming out equal to orgasm. And that's not true. On the other side, there's a lot of stigma that people feel like shame about like wetting the bed or whatever the case may be. So for us, it's actually collecting all the data so we could tell a we could tell a better story about this phenomenon that happened to some people. So for some people, while they squirt, they have an orgasm. For some people, they don't. For some people need their G-spot internal stimulation. For some women, they don't. So it varies between women to women. Um, what what I do love what I do love about squirting or teaching squirting is that there is one lesson there there that I think is really key. The first thing is that G spot or internal sensation works. It responds to pressure better. That's why finger jabbing or just jackhammering don't work because those nerve endings respond to pressure. They're visceral nerves, so they're not like tactile nerve like your lips and fingertip. They're like pressure is like it's like having period cramp that is pleasurable. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, for for many women or female body people, the first time they have penetrative sex, when they feel that G-spot sensation, they kind of feel like they have to pee and they don't want to pee on their partner. So they clinch every time they feel that sensation. So when you clinch those nerve, because that type of nerve is like the same, it's the same type of nerve that when you have an emotion, like when you're about to cry or you're angry, you're trying to shove it down. So they learn to shove down that feeling. So first thing that they have to learn is how to open that channel, sort of an emotional channel for that sensation to feel good and then for the arousal to build. So when you teach someone a squirting technique, you could teach them how to feel that sensation and also surrender to the sensation so it could be registered as uh, pleasure and then require relaxation or bearing down a little bit. But they also have to overcome like internal shame or like conditioning. They always clinch. Right. So you have to learn to teach the body not to be in that state and also for guys to calibrate, not too quick, not too slow. And it's also better if you build up enough arousal energy, like you edge, like very close to orgasm, then you do it. Then you could blend the two together, like squirting while orgasming. They could be adjacent, but they could be independent, just squirting, no orgasm. Or sometimes it just like um, it's like a doctor hitting your knee. You you, you kick something, but <laughs> it didn't do much for you. So so it really depends. 
So is this stuff that you learn with your pleasure personality quiz or is that more high level? The pleasure personality quiz is about the psychological game. Like I talked about all the kinky stuff or the romantic stuff or Tantra or, you know, intimacy. Um, the their, uh, Sex Hacker Pro go over all the technique and all the different things. And Beyond Satisfy, my new book, basically covers everything. But in a, it gave me more time to go into the nuance and detail, but also gives me like it's a super nerdy book. If you open it, every technique has a QR code that goes into a 3D diagram in motion. So I'm like so into teaching fitness, like you know when you teach a squat or Olympic lift. I want to tell you exactly how to do those things. So I'm I'm really into the technical part too. Wow, it's so it it's so technical. I don't think I knew how much science was involved in your learning and like what you're putting forward because you really are trying to give everybody literally the best knowledge they have going into this so that every time it, it then it, it's like once you learn it you can forget it like driving absolutely right? i mean you would go through an awkward phase in the beginning like learning any arts or any martial art but then once you master it you hone it but you know it's so useful it's like being a good chef in the kitchen it feels fucking mm. good, and people would want they they come want to they want to come eat at your kitchen, right? So if people yes, are still in the bedroom, it is a major advantage, right? Because <laughs> they yeah. keep knocking. Like if you build it, they will come. Like I'm pretty sure. Like I'm. I'm <laughs> well, I I so that leads me to another one, like that I have about this new world that we live in and this new world that we're going into. So like, uh, full disclosure, VR is fucking my best friend right now. Like it's great. And I know that we're going into um, meta, mm -hmm. like this whole, like the, the way we're heading as far as like our, you know, building avatars and all that other stuff, even on social media, media and the dating apps right now, everybody's filtering and sending and like becoming more sexy and, you know, all that other Photoshopping and all that other stuff. How do you see the meta world and the VR technology fitting into like where we are headed as far as pleasure? I think we will, I think the digital age is going to continue to evolve and develop. So we will have a digital life, right? And it could be stimulated through VR gear and, and any sensory things that we will have in the future. I don't think it would truly replace a like embodied, truly connected sexual experience with someone that is not digital. However, I think it's an amazing aid to for a learning environment so i am developing my squirting course in vr as well so people could see it from mm. like a you know it's different watching from a screen to watch something like at a sex party so i want to do it like how i teach live when people get to see it and interact and really feel the experience however um i mean it could go both way right like people are more locked down to the digital world and they forget the physical world that could be a thing or they could use that to enhance their life and i think it's up to people desire if they want to spend most of their life in the digital world is their prerogative i just love people and i love humans and i love seeing a lot of them and 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 so i i want to live most of my life in the real world and then have some digital life i love it i love it I too love it. and so we you know learned so much here today from you and we want everyone else to continue learning with you and maybe even just dabble if they're like what on earth have you guys all been talking about where should they start with any one of the things that you've put out they go to um kennethplay.com please support my book um it's kennethplay.com slash book it's called beyond satisfy a sex hacker guide to endless orgasm mind-blowing connection and lasting confidence i really 
like if you if you like female pleasure, you will love this book. It has all my lessons to how I learn all those things, how not to be a one trick pony, how to read erotic cue, like how to do art and science together to all the technical stuff. And my be uh, my sex hacker pro course basically covers like I, I don't talk about the technique like I demo it like real live in real world scenarios. So you watch it as I do it and then I explain everything too. So it's a combination of both. Um, I think that's really important. And also I really, you know, if anything I want to teach people is I live with such like deep, deep crippling sexual insecurity. Most of my life, I just turned 40 in last May and I like, I, I mean, I, I sound confident now because I put in the work right now, but I tell you a decade ago, like I remember I was a, I was a lifeguard at Coney Island in, in New York in my, from 16 to 20. And I got relatively fit and I still were too afraid to lose my virginity. Like, I would never take my like cock out of my underwear. I would like, I would just cock block myself most of my life. And then, and then I decided to change that in my 20s. So I just want to encourage people who feel like if they feel like they're sexually broken, they feel like things doesn't work for them. I just want to give them a sense of hope that it, it can be changed if you just get the right information and you have the right practice and right mindset. I think this is a great course and great book that if you are in a position, there's so many puns on this one. Yeah. I fucking love it. It's so easy. You're nailing it. If you are in a position, it's the dad jokes with the mustache. Yeah. Um, it's, if you are in the position where you don't feel comfortable either bringing it up to a partner or having the conversation with a partner or, you know, they're not doing something right or you're just feeling like, you know, you're lacking something, this giving this to somebody or suggesting the book or even like sending the email, buying it and sending it or whatever might be a way to breach the subject. And then why not take the read? Why not look at it? Why not try to make yourself better? Because, I mean, if you're, if you're not pleasing the person, it can't get worse. So why not look at it to make it better? This is a great opportunity. I'm going to go read it. Why the fuck not? Put another tool in my belt. Again, God, <laughs> you, know, you know, I think a lot of couples, the easiest path to talk about sex is just approach it with curiosity instead of you suck. You never made me come. You're terrible. Or you kiss me like, like a bird or you're trying to swallow me every time you're trying to kiss me. <laughs> Like, go like, you know, I've been really curious about squirting. I've been curious about anal. I've been curious about spanking. And I kind of want to learn this with you. I'm curious to what you want. Like, what you want. It, like, what are you curious about? Be inquisitive of your partner's pleasure. Like, do you like? Do you want me to do a different blowjob? Do you want me to give you a... Like, offer something and offer curiosity. Then both pe people feel like they're an equal playing field to learn. Because if you feel like, oh, you don't know, but I know, like most people, it's not going to listen to you, you know? Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Can you also tell everyone where they can find you on social media? So all my handle is under Kenneth Play. So you can find me on Instagram and hopefully I would get my YouTube back soon. Um, it, it's been a lot of uh, censorship when it comes to my stuff, but Instagram is a big social media place for me and KennethPlay.com is, is a blessed place to find me. Awesome. Well, everyone, keep tuning in to It's Complicated, where we talk even more dating and relationshipy stuff. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share it with a friend. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And while you're on Instagram, you can find me at Jennifer Golden as well. And you can find me at Forever's Evers, F-O-R-E-V-E-R-S, E-V-O-R-S on Instagram also. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Kenneth. We will see you next week. 
Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. And now that we're going steady, come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers.